The Backdoor GA Podcast for 2023 is now brought to you by Steed Motor Group. For your personalised vehicle shopping experience, visit stevemotorgroup.ie. We are now delighted to announce our second sponsor of the podcast. Harper Finley are a professional service recruitment company operating nationwide and are dedicated to helping people find their dream job. So delighted now to be joined by former Galway footballer Derek Savage and Gordon Manning of the Irish Times to look back on Galway's back-to-back Connacht titles with an emphatic victory over Sligo yesterday in Castle Bear. Uh, it's Galway's first back-to-back titles since 2003. Before the big game, obviously, the 1998 All-Ireland Galway team was honoured. What was uh, that like, Derek, before the game? That was lovely. Um, it was relatively low-key. We met up uh, in one of the rooms there at the back of the stand in McHale Park and um, yeah, it was just before the game they brought us out, so it was grand. It was nice to meet up with all the, the old faces, some of them we wouldn't have seen since before COVID, so it was a nice opportunity to to get together with some of the lads again. Do you still get to meet up much together for get-togethers now, that team? Not a lot, really. Um, so there was a couple of reunions. We had a 20-year reunion there in uh, in 2018, and since that, really, we haven't met up, so... Um, yeah, there were some of the guys, like I said, I haven't seen in four or five years. So uh, particularly if they're in Dublin or, you know, if they're in different parts of the country, you you might meet up with them. The guys are local. I suppose I'd see them fairly regular, but there are certain lads like Neil Finnegan, for example. Park Boyce was on the panel that time. Some of them lads that are based in Dublin and you wouldn't see them for years. Is it hard to believe yesterday when you're doing an event like that, how long ago it is now, or does it still feel like it wasn't that long ago? Um, yeah, it's, it does feel like a long time ago, to be honest. A lot has happened since that. I was very young in 98, I was 20. So um, from that perspective, it's a long, long, it's a lifetime ago, really. Um, yeah, and then on the other hand, then I suppose, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd say when you come out in the field there and walk out in the field in McHale Park, you'd get the old buzz again. Uh, the lads were just running out after us, actually, the Galway lads. We were still standing there. And, um, yeah, you'd certainly miss the buzz of coming out in the field as a player. Do you have certain memories of that team, um, Gordon? I do. I have a lot of memories of that team, but it wouldn't necessarily be good ones. I'm a mead man. And uh, when I think of that Galway 98 team, I suppose uh, 2001, a lot of those guys would have still been around. And I, I still remember where I was sitting in the final in 2001 beside my brother that day when, when uh, Galway turned on the magic and Park in particular uh, on, the, on, on a deserving win that day. But it was, it was a tough day as a Midland. But th- that was a brilliant Galway team. Uh, uh, yeah, they were a great team. And uh, I was in I was in McHale Park yesterday when, when they were, uh, when you go out the field and a lot of guys still looked in, in decent shape there, to be fair. And, and just with that, Derek, it was obviously... Boy, Joyce and John Dibley obviously didn't um, take part in it because they're involved with the team, but they're obviously walking out as you're being introduced as well. Yeah, they were, yeah. So, um, Park and John's, the, their two sons were representing them, so that was lovely. So, um, yeah, Park's lad Charlie was beside me there, obviously, number 14. Um, so, it was really nice. And in the tunnel there, uh, some of the players were knocking around as well, and uh, Park and John. Obviously, we met up. We met up with John afterwards. Um, Park, Park couldn't make it. He was with the team, but uh, 
Yeah, it was a, it was a lovely occasion. It was kind of a family occasion as well because a lot of the guys now had their had their children there, had their wives, had their partners, had their families. So uh, that was lovely. Um, yeah. yeah. Do you miss? Do you miss it, Derek? Absolutely. Yeah. I I I stopped, I only stopped playing club, you know, a couple of years ago. And I suppose when you have the club, you um you have something that's not the same buzz, obviously, unless you're playing with the very top clubs. Uh, but it's never the same buzz, really, as the big days. But uh, at least you're playing football. You're you know you're from a physical point of view as well. You're you're training. You're involved in something. You're always thinking about the next game. So yeah, when it's gone, you miss it in a big way. Um, I think it leaves a big hole, particularly from the intercounty thing. You know, when you're in 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 the bubble, it's all you think about. Uh, you're trying to get through other parts of life as well. But even back when we were playing, it was starting to become nearly like semi-professional, really, in terms of the time that was spent. You know, we were doing all those gym sessions. We were we were based in Dublin uh, around that time. Um, myself and John Dibley, Tomás Meehan, Niall Finnegan, um, Fergal Gavin and Pori Poist, there was, there was six of us, I think. And um, myself and John Dibley were in college and really you just lived and breathed the, the football. So... Um, yeah, you'd miss it. You'd miss it in a big way. What's the, what's the most thing that you'd miss about it? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I pre pretty much used to enjoy training, which is maybe a lot of the guys say they wouldn't, but I, I used to enjoy the training. Um, but the, the, the championship games, there's nothing like it. You know, Galway Mayo was always pretty special down here. Um you know, there's always a huge buzz around. I'd be living locally as well. And there's a lot of Mayo people in the town and Tume and working where I work and Valio. And um, the goal was a great buzz then. But obviously the big, big days are, well, there's a kind of a mix. that You, you can't really enjoy them when you're involved in it. But uh, the buzz is, is just amazing. You can't, you can't really replace it with anything else, to be honest. Just with the game itself yesterday, Gordon, an emphatic victory for Galway in the end, probably went along similar lines as we all expected kind of going into this game. Yeah, um, to be fair, Paul, like Sligo actually got a decent start early on, um, but from the moment of first goal, I think that was kind of, it was kind of curtains after that. Immediately after that goal, you got a sense that even Sligo started to really kind of trying force issues and force efforts and passes. We were getting turned over a lot in the middle. Um, and the second goal then, and I actually thought Tony McIntyre described it very well afterwards. Uh, he said, like, you can play as much Division 4 football as you want against teams in that grade. And you make mistakes and you might get punished, but you won't be punished as, as clinically as you would be by a top team, a Division 1 team. And from the moment of that interception uh, in the centre of the field by Damien Coma. The goal just looked on, and you can see the difference. A uh, goal just broke, uh, and from from the forty-five out, even beyond that, you could see a goal was coming. Uh, and yeah, look, it was it was it was curtains by halftime. Um, in fairness to Sligo, you know they they are where they are in their development. They're a long way behind Galway, uh, and you know for 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 Sligo, I guess a lot of positives are underage level, under twenty. Um, there's a decent. Uh, decent number of footballers in that Sligo team. They're well coached and, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint for them and they need to kind of keep developing and building. Uh, but the game worked out pretty much as, as you would expect it to. 
uh, and it was from the moment of first goal, I think that was kind of, that was it then, Sligo's kind of chance had, had come and gone by the time the first goal went in. Yeah, you talked there about the 3-1 start, uh, Pascal Angus, a great point to kick it off for them, then Sean Carbine backs it up with a free from a difficult angle, but the, their aim probably was to keep out goals and once kind of the the good the first goal for itself though Gordon the move itself like here a lot of people talk about John Daly's kick passing but that kick pass to find Damian Comer across the match Eugenia was just yeah. a sublime move. Yeah it was a John Daly pass I think of him right was it in, inside yeah. and uh in, in Comer Comer squared it but even at that and, and Derek could know better like the the chance for a match attorney, it was actually it was a difficult enough opportunity even that day. He still had a bit to do and he just he just wrapped his foot around it perfectly, curled into the top corner. It was a beautiful finish and uh just kind of epitomized the, the the confidence that he is playing with at the moment and he carried it on for the rest of the game. It was a great team move, wasn't it, Derek? Yeah, it was absolutely. Um I'd like to see them kicking the ball a bit more, to be honest. Um I think you know, you, you can you can, in terms of this mass defence that's going on, I really think Jamie gives a pivot there at full forward. And Ian Burke has brought another dynamic as well in, in terms of, you know, he's so dynamic, he's so quick, as quick, he thinks so quickly, and he can create that little bit of space, um, you know, in front of the goal. And I think that's what they need to do is try to get the ball in a little bit earlier. I think the bigger teams, the stronger teams might be more difficult to break down. They were able to kind of punch holes as well in Sligo and they got a lot of fisted points in, uh, with that way, particularly in the first half. So it was, it was refreshing to see John Daly go route one. Damien Comer is probably one of the best ball winners in the game. And then obviously he did the smart thing and uh, and slipped it across to Matthew. And yeah, I suppose he had he had a bit to do, but he, he would expect to score, I'd say, in that situation. And, he, and he, he it was a great finish in the end, the top corner. Just spot on, Derek. Just on on Comer with his ball winning abilities, like it just it sticks every time he gets it, doesn't it? And then he's so aggressive when he gets the ball, yeah. like he's so direct and aggressive. Like, but so few players have that ball winning ability. It's like Velcro when the ball comes to him, like he just can't dispossess him. He's so strong and fast and direct when he gets it. Yeah, he's 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 an extremely uh, consistent player as well for Galway, but he's that extra dynamic. I think that uh, can make the difference. I suppose he has to be in close to goal. We try and keep him close to goal, I think, as much as we can. Um, and then, really, he ties up two defenders because if it's one-on-one, -on -one, it's too dangerous, really, from a, from an opposition point of view. So I think if we can get uh, Shane or Ian playing in there with him and we can, we can hit some direct ball in, at least to keep the opposition defence thinking, um, he's, a, he's a huge asset. He really is. He's such, such aggression that he goes for the ball with. Yeah. It's a... Uh, a lot of players nowadays are, you know, kind of come on the loop players and they'll kick points and, you know, they can maybe lovely strike at the ball. But Damien has that kind of, you know, nearly raw aggression that uh, really makes him difficult. And when he, when he wins it, he wants to go at you as well. He wants to run at the defender. And that asks different types of questions as well. So, um, yeah, he's, he's definitely a huge player for Galway now and he brings that kind of X factor. There was probably, when you look at that crossfield pass, Gordon, in the first half, Sligo nearly think they might get away with it, and then Damien Comer comes out of nowhere, forces a turnover, and sets up Matthew terrifically. Then for the second goal, yeah, and like uh, he just he seized on the moment, and like as I was saying, sitting up in the, in the press box, like, and I think everybody in the stand, you just knew immediately it's on here, like the goal is on, like, and Comer only had one thing in mind. 
he pumped the legs, he was off, the head was down. Uh, sorry, the head, head was up, he, he looked over straight away, He's, he noticed Tierney, uh, he, he buried on forward, and when the pass was on then, uh, the, over to the right, picked out match with Tierney. And again, Tierney showed great composure uh, around his goal, and slid it in, uh, again, showing the player playing with confidence. But yeah, I mean, it just goes, but like, again, maybe like what Derek was saying, some players maybe have intercepted that ball, might have been a, a little less, maybe gung-ho, maybe might have tried to be uh, a bit more careful in, 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 in what they went, what they did with it. But Homo was just direct, aggressive, straight, see, seeing that they were vulnerable here, see, seizing the opportunity and uh, uh, took the goal. And I think he, he said afterwards in the Roscommon game in the championship, he actually he kind of missed the chance himself, yeah. uh, similar enough one, um, coming in at that angle. He did actually score a great point afterwards from it. Uh, but uh, this time he squared it over for Tierney. Um, and uh, yeah, great goal. Terry, just watching that yesterday, like after them two goals for Galway, it was really one-way traffic. When you're watching that and you see um, it really was just not really a contest after that, how did, how were you watching it? Did, did you enjoy it or was, was there stages where it just maybe got boring? Absolutely, yeah. I'd say both. Um, there were some moments of real real quality and real class, I think. Um, you know, Sligo got some good scores as well. Um, Galway, you know, with Matthew Tierney and, and others, you know, Matthew Tierney in particular, I suppose, was one of those days where he really turned it on, um, which was very enjoyable to watch. Um, you know, I think overall, Goy will be happy with the performance and is very professional. But if you're to look at it from a neutral perspective, you know, you wonder really about the benefit of a game like that because, um, you know, I think the bookies might have had it at 12 points or something. They're usually not too far wrong. Turned out uh, not too far away from that was a 14 or something in the end. So it was probably a foregone conclusion. People might want to hear that. But once the goals went in, I think. Sligo were kind of playing really for pride at that point. And the problem is that, you know, and this happens at club level, it happens everywhere. When you're playing a team that, you know, might be superior, you've got to get men behind the ball. And then it can turn into a really, really uh, bore fest, to be honest, because obviously Galway are ahead. They're just going to play keep, keep ball and try and pick holes in the defence. And uh, Sligo have to stay back to, uh, to keep down the score. So... There were times when it was, yeah, I don't like saying it, but boring is probably the word. Tactically, you're watching it, you're interested, obviously. You want to see how Galway can break them down. But from a neutral perspective and from an excitement in the game, when it's not close, uh, those type of games can be uh, very hard to watch. Do Galway get any value out of that, Gordon? Um of the game itself, I'm not so sure of the the sense of winning back-to-back kind of titles. I definitely got afterwards that there was something that the group, I think, had targeted. Um, certainly something that Porrick had mentioned a number of times in interviews even before the match and after the Common game down in the high, he even mentioned it. Uh, so it was something they were aware of. And I, I, I'm, I'm assuming within the group, it was a target of theirs to put back-to-back titles together. Uh, so look, that old adage of nothing beats winning and uh, momentum and uh, silverware and all that kind of stuff. So uh, as regards the maybe the exterior stuff, then I think they do they do take positives from it. Obviously, um, as regards the contest, not so much. But look, Matthew Tierney 
match of change. He's not going like he scored two seven in that game. Like that, that's the, the confidence you bring from that moving forward into the next day is huge. Uh, individual players will take positives from their own performances and their own matchups, how they get on. Um, uh, the kickouts were really good for Galway yesterday, although most of them were uncontested. Uh, but on Sligo's kickouts, they they won. They got they scored they scored not not high from Sligo Sligo's kickouts, you know. So they were good at breaks around the middle and forcing uh, mistakes on Sligo's kickouts. So yeah, look, little things like that. But uh, gen- generally, as a contest, um, I suppose they'll be happy they got silverware and came away uh, hopefully without any injuries. Just bring in Derek. Obviously, back to back is something there that hasn't happened since 0203. How important is that? Um, I'm not. I'm not sure it's that important, really. I think uh, I'd agree with Gordon there that um, winning breeds winning. You know, I think it's it's winning games that's important. Winning. I I I would say the the Roscommon game was important for them to win it. Um, and then obviously you're on a hiding to nothing, then playing Sligo in the kind of final. So. Getting back-to-back provincial titles itself, I'm not convinced it's that big of a deal. I think the, the championship probably won't start for another uh, few months. These round-robin games, um, I think teams will be building. Um, you know, the top teams are going to get through with that. There's a reality. It's three out of four are qualifying. So, um, yeah, the back-to-back thing is nice. It's it's nice. It's a milestone, I suppose, to the players. It's another box ticked. But it's, uh, I would say, you know, a relatively small step on the... And, uh, on the journey and where they want to go this year. With that, Gordon, when you, you're talking there about Matthew Cheney's performance, 2-7, really eye-catching, can there be a positive taken out of, like when you look at scores from play, Damien Comer, Shane Walsh, Robert Finnerty, they didn't contribute to a huge amount of scores on the scoreboard, but then if you consider that their, their scores were spread out when you would have Matthew Taney's two seven scores were spread out then across the board. Yeah, I think there were ten scores. I think in total. Um, again, that you can probably look at that either way. I mean, Damien Comer not scoring, uh, Shea Walsh maybe not contributing from from play, uh, and yet the other guys are scoring. So it's the positive the fact that the other guys are doing the scoring and you're not relying on on Lisa Damien and Shane. Uh, the negative of that is you want you want you want Shea Walsh to be you know scoring heavily. Uh, and certainly if Galway are going to win the All-Ireland, they'll, they'll probably need that. Um, and that, that would be maybe one area of concern is that he, he just hasn't seemed to hit the heights of, of last year yet. Um, I, he's had a bit of a kind of staggered season, I know, from the club competition and then going away and coming back. Uh, he was ill yesterday or last week, uh, according to Park Joyce, he was, he was sick in the build-up to yesterday's game. Um, uh, but he, he hasn't really hit the form yet. Um, and I suppose what all Galway fans are waiting for is the day that both Damien Comer and Shane Walsh hit form on the one day. And you can throw in Matthew Tierney now as well. Like, I mean, it, it's a scary possibility. Or it's, it, the potential that's there if they all hit form on the one day is huge. But yeah, no, there was a spread of scores yesterday. Um, and like Matthew Tierney, I was looking at his scoring ratio throughout the league. I mean, it's hugely consistent throughout the league. Go against Mayo, six points against Throne, point against Roscommon, one three against Donegal, three points Monaghan, and go against Armagh. So like he's been doing it all all season, Matthew Tierney. So he's having one of those seasons that you'd imagine if uh, he stays injury free that he can maintain that and, and build over the next uh, number of weeks. When, as Derek rightly says, the championship really gets going. Just on that with the with those players being minimised from play. 
would you take that as a positive with the other players around him, Derek, or do you see it as maybe a bit of a concern? Um, well, I suppose it, it probably you, you need to think about a player by player, really. I mean, from <clears throat> from Damien Comer's perspective, you know, he can kick two or three easy points. He went for the, the right pass at the right time, going up goals over that. Uh, he's playing really well, so I wouldn't have any, you know, there's any issue there with him not not scoring. Um, you know, there's just days when the opportunities aren't presented to certain players. Um, Matthew Tierney was also on the end of a good few moves, um, you know, so that would have brought up his score as well. Um, Shane, you know, I think he had a bit of a virus yesterday, so, you know, Shane needs to find a bit of form. There's no, there's no hiding that. Obviously, you know, he's a, he's an amazing talent and, um, if if he can find form, I think with with the addition of of Ian Burke in particular, Matthew Tierney, um, Robert Finnerty as well, there's a lot of options there, and also Galway are getting scores coming from deep as well. And Paul Conroy wasn't playing yesterday; he's always good for a few for a couple of scores. So we can, we have a lot of options now, and I think Parik has built a a team and a and a style of play where. Uh, lots of different players can score and will score. Johnny Heaney often uh, pops up with a point. Um, Killian McDade scored quite heavily last year. So on different days, you're going to get different guys doing the scoring. The main thing you want to see is that they're playing well. And if the guys are playing well, it's not really necessarily about who's getting the scores. Um, and I think the vast majority of the goal players are, are playing well at the moment. The player that we haven't mentioned as well, Gordon, he was playing the wing forward role. Uh, for most of the season. Obviously, Paul Conroy gets injured. He goes into midfield. Peter Cook, it really seemed like yesterday was the day that it really clicked for him and he had shown that in glimpses throughout the league. Yeah, I think I've seen Galway four times in the flesh this year uh, in the even championship. And uh, I've noticed, and you guys might see more of them, but he seems to have got more comfortable and better as the, league, as the season has progressed, like, as in naturally enough, he settled back in um, and first couple of games I've seen him in a bit of rustiness a bit of bad selection of shots but generally he's improved as the year as the year has gone on um, and that he's a big huge addition for the Gordon just seems there to be um, breaking up a bit my back let's yeah, I can hear you now. But just with that, uh, Gordon, do you see? Did you see Cook more effective in a mid midfield role yesterday rather than a wing forward role? Well, that's that's going to be, I suppose, the debate for for the Galway management. Like, what happened there with Paul Conroy? Do they? Paul Conroy's fit as he start in the middle. Like John Maher has been a huge addition there this year. <clears throat> he's a huge man actually as well. I was in the tunnel afterwards yesterday, and he was walking by. He's huge, huge guy. Um, they're uh, so he's been a huge, huge addition to them in the middle of the field. They have options there now, like so. Does Peter Cook go back, um, or do you play him in the wing forward position? So, like, there are options for Pork uh, in that middle third and up front as well, which is what you want within the uh, within a panel of players. Um, and uh, look, I do, I do think Cook has been uh, has improved as the as the season has gone on, and he's he's definitely a huge addition to the squad this year. What would you do there, Derek? Um, yeah, Peter Cook, I suppose when he was gone there for a year or two, certainly was, was missed. 
Um, he he brings a very you know he's very calm on the ball. He's a really good striker on the ball. He's another really tall player. And Galway have a lot of tall guys guys around the middle now, and, and he's another option for kickouts, which is which is very good. Um, what would I do? I'm not going to second guess Porrick anyway. I think uh, the guys are doing really well. So um, whatever they go with, I'm sure will 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 be the best of what they see in training. But you do have Kitty McDade who can go to midfield. Um, and you can you can slot in Carl Sweeney or someone else at wing back there. That's that's certainly an option for him. Maher has been a great find because um, you know it gives us that extra strong powerhouse around the middle. That that, that if Paul Conroy is struggling, maybe towards the end of games, it's a big ask to play midfield uh, for a full championship match, particularly when they get to Crow Park and the intensity really goes up in the from the quarter final on. So I think Porrick will be very happy that he has that option now with Peter Cook to go into midfield as well and to, to plug a gap there if he needs it. Yeah, well, there's, there's an argument there as well. As Derek was saying, Gordon, now with my day, do you bring him back into midfield? You did feel like yesterday at seven, McDade running from deep was was definitely an option that Galway can go for their seer, but then it's obviously hard. But like McDade's pace running at 11, or from seven, and nearly reminds you of kind of a Gavin White, Jack McCaffrey kind of pace running from deep, picking those holes. Yeah, well, I think the, the, as Derek was saying earlier, with the scores coming from deep and the players that can get on scores, uh, there seems to be almost a license or an expectation within the setup that players are encouraged to get forward uh, from whatever position. You know that like, so the traditional one to fifteen positions that we might kind of. Uh, remember, don't really kind of manifest themselves in reality a lot of the times nowadays. Uh, but like, like Sean Kelly, for instance, I mean, again, you guys will have seen more of Galway maybe tonight this year. Sean Kelly for me has been outstanding. I mean, outstanding. I, 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 I think he's been brilliant when I've seen him in games this year. And he's got a, he's got a goal against Mayo. I think he, he was got a, got a point yesterday, didn't he? And he uh, he's got a point against Tyrone in the league as well, um, and in the and in the league final. Like so, he's got forward for scores. Like, but. Like he seems to have added that level to his game again even more, that he's even getting forward more than previously. Uh, so that's that seems to be a developmental piece within the setup that they're encouraging players like him to get to be even more adventurous. And he's put his some of the best players, the best opposition players on the back foot, you know. And like if you're keeping them as far away from your goal as possible, that's that's a double benefit, especially if you can get on the scoreboard or, or help set up attacks. And Sean Kelly has been brilliant at that this year. Uh, so, like, certainly the weapons are coming from deep, and whether it's Killian McDade, as you mentioned, or Sean Kelly or Dylan McHugh getting forward, like, they have options coming from deep, and certainly that running game uh, and players getting forward is certainly seems to be a, a tactic on the a, a part of the game plan for Galway. There's, there's huge options there as well, but Derek, as well, a player who's kind of broke in for his first year in the championship this year as well. Um, did really well yesterday. Johnny McGrath, you have to be impressed with him. He, he didn't see much game time in, in the league, really. Um, but since he's come in from that Roscommon game, he looked really tenacious and tigerish in defence. Yeah, absolutely. Um, himself and Jack Lynn, I suppose, are kind of similar type players. Um, Jack had a great year last year. <clears throat> and losing Liam Silk, obviously, was a, must have been a massive concern. It was a concern for all of us, really. Uh, so Johnny has come in there. Um, yeah, he's tenacious. He's uh, 
he's actually very good on the ball as well going forward. Um, you know, and he can punch holes in defence as well. He was there were times when he was kind of uh, the extra man sweeping yesterday. Uh, then he was man marking. So I think he can do a lot of different jobs. Um, I suppose the question will come down with those guys is you know on the when it comes to the the latter stages. You know, when you're one on one, and the you know the game starts to open up later on, um, you know I think that's where his his aggression, his his man mark, and really come to the fore. And and um, yeah, I think he's been a really good addition to Galway this year. If there is one thing, Gordon, on Galway's performance yesterday, what was it that impressed you most? Um. Well. I suppose they were, they were business like they got the job done that they had to do, like, you know. Um, but what one aspect that really impressed me with Galway in the Roscommon game was that period after extra time when Galway scored, or Roscommon scored, it was a 1 3 or 1 4 straight after the break, and uh, it was a whirlwind. And for those couple of minutes, uh, Roscommon just had the, the momentum, the hide was hopping. Galway didn't panic, they didn't blink. At all. And, you know, maybe Galway a couple of years ago um, might have just kind of got a little bit startled in it, uh, but they're so experienced yeah. at this stage. They weathered that little storm, that patch. They, they got back on top. Dana Coma was excellent uh, that day. Uh, but as a, as a collective, they just weathered the storm, went about their business, got the job done. And yesterday in, in McHale Park again, they were never under any pressure. But Apart from that early couple of minutes when Saigo got a few points, they just they were business like got the job done with minimum fuss. They didn't have to exert themselves, they didn't have to put players, uh, they were able to take players off and rest them in the end, some of them. Um, they got the job done with minimal fuss, no injuries, uh, and they go on to the All Ireland series. Um, and for me, Galway this year looked like a team really know what they're about. Like they, they you know, you see some developing sides in different teams and they're still trying to figure out maybe few aspects of their game. Uh, Galway just looked like they know what they're about to show. Can they win the All Ireland, Gordon? Absolutely. I mean, they've they've uh, they've been they've been the best team I have seen in the flesh in different aspects of their game. Uh, and uh, I haven't seen Kerry in the flesh this year. Uh, but uh, as regards to teams, and I've seen Dublin. Uh, Mayo, Derry, uh, Tyrone, like they've Galway have ticked a lot of the boxes and they seem to be in a better place this year than they were last year. And surely the, the benefit of that season last year, getting to the final, all the stuff that goes around along with that, um, can surely only stand to you. And they just they look a very comfortable team that know what they're about. Like, And I think if they can get, I think the key to it, Paul, will be it. If Shane Walsh can find that bit of form again uh, and get back to that level, because he's a marquee player, like, and uh, if they can get him in you know, a homing again, uh, moving along with the, the, the additions of like Sveen Burke and Matthew Tierney in the form he's in, Damien Comer in brilliant form, uh, I, I think to, whoever wins the Ireland this year will at some stage have to go through or get over the five goal, I imagine. Where would you have them, Derek? in the All-Ireland conversation now as a manager? Um, well, you should be careful how you answer that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I think they're in the conversation, no doubt. Obviously, last year coming, uh, you know, down the stretch, they were there, thereabouts. Um, we probably, you know, in the last few minutes, didn't have enough to to really push it on and, and win the game. Um, this year, they have certainly brought some players on. We've lost players as well, so it's, in some ways, it's been a bit of a counterbalance, uh, certainly in, in the back line. Um, we with Ian Burke back and Peter Cook up front, definitely appears like we've more options. So that would give you a bit, it would give you more confidence that in in the when it's tight in the last you know five minutes or, or ten minutes that we we will have players that can come on and make the difference. Um, I think Kerry are, looked extremely strong yesterday. Um, obviously, they were on a mission with the very sad news that they got um, on Saturday with Clifford family, but they just looked to be really clinical and really you know coming back to form at the right time. Um, and Dublin certainly haven't gone anywhere. Um, and we're always looking over the over the fence here at our, our old rivals. Mayo, you know, had a bit of a, a come down against Roscommon. They have to be in the conversation as well. Um, as do I think Derry probably up north are probably the team. Tyrone would also say they had a they have a say here, but I, I think Derry have a, a very interesting, they seem to be involving their game. They were a bit found out last year, I think, in the semi-final. Um, but I think they've evolved their game further. So they they could they they're certainly in the conversation. So I suppose definitely top three or four, I think, where Galway are at the moment. And where would you rank them in that four at the minute? Where would I rank them? I, I, I suppose the fact that uh, Kerry and Dublin have pedigree there and they have, you know, they've they've have a lot of All Ireland winners already on the team, you'd, you'd probably think that they're they're up there. Uh, Galway are certainly uh, capable of taking either either or both Dublin and Kerry this year. Um, in terms of ranking, it's hard to rank them up at the top, but on form this season, I would say they probably are. Um, overall, as I said, with the pedigree, I suppose a big question for the championship is whether these Dublin guys have the appetite to go again. And when you see Stephen Cluxton coming back in and Jack McCaffrey, Paul Mangan starting to find a bit of form, if these guys have the same hunger that, they've, that they have shown over the years, they're going to be extremely difficult to beat. And that's when experience, you know, those last five, ten minutes, um, in, in the big games, you know, the experience can get them over the line. So um, I think Galway have a huge opportunity, really huge opportunity. Um, you know, you, you, a team like that has been built over years, you know, great work done by Kevin Walsh and then brought on by Park, um, you know, to another level, really. And the condition that these guys are in, you know, is, is incredible. They're a hugely physical team. They're totally focused, seem to be all going the same direction. So from that point of view, you would really say that the, the stars are, are lining up for them. To go and do it then is a different thing. Um, and we just really hope that they re, that they can push on and, and go and win it for us. Because uh, I can tell you, we're sick of getting rolled out uh, all the time. And uh, the place around here, the kids, they you know they, they, need, they need new heroes. And these guys are, are well capable to do it. Where would you have them along the rankings, Gordon? Again, like, as Derek was saying, it's a hard one to kind of really kind of nail your colours before the real business end starts. But as regards form and what I, you know, for me, Kerry are the favourites for the Ireland, the All Ireland. I would have Galway right after them at the moment. Um, and then I think there's a, there's a kind of a splatter of likes of the Derry, Dublin, you know, Mayo, kind of. Uh, there's a pack of teams there that, that can win it. Uh, on Dublin, I do think it's interesting where Dublin are going to be. Uh, like, 
I actually thought they looked really jaded and vulnerable against Kildare last week. Uh, I was in Crow Park and there was just, there was no spark in them until Jack McCaffrey came on at halftime and he kind of added energy to them. Before that, there was just a lack of energy, a lack of something about them. Um, now, look, they've so many good players and have so much experience that, you know, they can just pick it up and they'll, they'll be at the business end no matter what. But uh, they certainly have a bit of bit of ground to make up, I think, uh, to find the kind of energy levels and the cohesion that uh, and the decision making and all that kind of stuff that comes with, with winning big games that Galway seem to have at the moment. Um, so to get back to that level, you know, Dublin certainly can do it, but they do have a little bit of work. Uh, but I, I would have look for me, Kerry are the favourites, but I would have uh, I would have Galway um, uh, kind of at the moment, certainly on form as the uh, as the lead lead in chasing pack there, yeah, leaders of the chasing pack. Just with that, there, there when you were talking about your your sick of being the the last team to do it and. You you want this current new crop is there's obviously a vested interest when you have Bork and John Dooley there, but what kind of characters were they like on and off the pitch when you were playing with them? Bork and John, um, yeah, I suppose first and foremost, um, you know they were they were exceptional footballers. Bork, um, you know his his longevity in the game here and the 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 the, the length of time that he maintain such a high level of performance and consistency was was quite in, quite incredible. Uh, a lot of us were long gone and Borg was still kicking six or seven points. Um, and he was like that from the beginning. I think he he brought a huge confidence with him, as did as did uh, Michael Donnan and others. Um, so I was actually in college with John Dively um, when we were when we won in 98, 2001. So we we've great memories. We spent a lot of time around uh, Different uh, places, different. Uh, you know, we had we had we had lots of good good times and good memories from then. And Div was a man that uh, enjoys the crack, always did, um, as does Boric. But uh, I, I think they they he brings a lot of Div in particular is a great people's person, and he brings a lot of charisma. And, and um, I, I know that players will want to play for him, and they'll enjoy his company. And the same with Boric. I think Boric's the biggest thing is for him is his his absolute will to win and his uh, confidence and belief in what he can do and belief in what Galway football can do. And I think that's been seen in the team over the last couple of years. You know, the, the, that belief is there. They're playing with a swagger, which, uh, you know, Porik would have would have played with when he was playing. So I think they're bringing different elements to the setup. It obviously works with Keane O'Neill and John Cannon there. It seems to work really well. There's, there's a lot of positive vibes around the place about it. Um, you know, it's a closed shop, which is good too. We don't hear too much, um, and that's what you want. But uh, you know, the anything you do here is positive, and that the lads are in are in good form, and and it, I suppose it shows on the field. And I think to go back to your question earlier uh, to Gordon, the the professionalism I think that they're showing is really the key. That they really put away Sligo, you know, and it's always could be a banana skin. We got beaten by Sligo in two thousand and seven. It's actually my, my last championship match that I, that I played with Galway. Um, so they, they can be a banana skin the Sligo were stronger that time they had a stronger team but you know when you're playing those games you're on a hide into nothing and that professionalism they have is there that confidence is there and I think that stems from, from the top it stems from the manager Even in the media Gordon as a journalist is there a sense that even if you're doing a post-match sometimes report Joyce like it's it's different to a lot of managers because even the way he was talking yesterday about the goalkeeping situation, 
It's almost like you're, you're like you're getting it up front with Port Joyce. Yeah, um, I'm not sure you get so much, anything really up front off a lot of managers, really. You know, um, they like what you're told and what's really happening. I suppose can be two different things. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, look, Porrick, To be fair, from I actually the post match interview after uh, after the Roscommon League game this year. Uh, he kind of always looked a bit shell shocked, and he was saying that the Damien had to go for a scan, and it didn't look good. Um, and I remember coming away from Salt Hill that day, going thinking that the, the loss to us coming that day was 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 bad. But if Damien Comer has gone for the season, that's much worse. That 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 could be that could be hugely significant for Galway's entire campaign and what they hope to achieve. And uh, I remember Porrick that day. He came out, he fronted up, and he, he talked about it. And he said, look, didn't look good. We have to get a scan and see how it is. Um, actually, for not just for goal, but for everybody, Damien Comer came back remarkably a number of weeks later uh, and, and has been has been in brilliant form. Uh, but that was a huge moment for goal this season as well. Like I think if, if Comer got injured then, uh, I mean, that, that could have changed the course of, of the narrative of the year for Galway. Uh, and uh, Porrick certainly after, in that post-match press conference, was... Uh, I think he was uh, fearing the worst as well. But yeah, no, after matches, he, he always, to be fair to him, he um, actually, I remember in the, the relegation game against Monaghan a few years ago up in, uh, up in Clonus. Uh, he was so devastated by that that he wasn't even, he wasn't able to talk. So uh, I think it was Derek saying there, he, he's, a, he's, a, he's a winner, like he's just a serial winner, you know, he's, so, he's a competitive animal. Uh, so relegation in the league for anyone who thinks it doesn't matter uh, that day, he, couldn't he couldn't even talk he was so devastated so uh yeah it's what you get what you see is what you get maybe something with Porrick uh wears heart in his sleeve he's a proud Galway man but in general with, with inter-county managers uh what to say uh, in, in the press and what's really happening and behind closed doors are different things absolutely and uh just before I touch on a bit of Galway Tyrone because it's obviously been announced that it's going to uh take place uh, on Saturday week in Pierce Stadium, that'll get guys all out in series run up. Derek, when you see Pork and John, uh, some of your ex teammates involved in the county setup, has there been an urge yet of management or coaching or uh, throwing your name into it at inter county level or appealing to you yet? Um, geez, I don't know. I don't know whether I would have time to be, to be at that. It's a uh... I would say it's nearly a full-time job at this stage, but um, no, myself and Jeff Allen are actually, uh, we're coaching the Go Under 16 uh, Academy squad. Um, we did it last year as well. So it's it's not too intensive. It's every, you know, it's only once a week, every Saturday morning, but we're getting great enjoyment out of that and hopefully um, bringing along the the under 16 lads, which, you know, are only four or five years away from, from you know, a couple of them probably making it onto the senior squad. I have a bit of taste in management with the club, uh, playing and managing, um, which is a whole different ball game, I can tell you. <laughs> um, you know, uh, will I get into it in time? The kids are young, I don't know, but uh, at the moment I'm enjoying what I'm doing with the with the under sixteens. It's uh, it's it's a different pressure, I suppose. The pressure of the of the um, of the senior championship is massive, and I think. I think we need. We should all remember that. You know, there are players out there that make mistakes. Um, you know that we have to understand that. You know, they're giving of their time, and uh, um, it's a 
a huge commitment. They basically have to put their lives on hold to play. And I would say for the management as well, there a lot of them are kids. We saw Parks and Johns yesterday. Uh, I know that Keen O'Neill and John Concanon have small children as well. And they're really, you know, it's a huge, huge commitment, time and effort. And, uh, you know, we should be grateful for that, really. It's, and, and the, the, you know, when the, when the games are of good quality and they're tight and, you know, it, the, the standard now has got so high that um, it's really incredible. Um, the athleticism, we were looking at Damien Comer coming out in the field and we were saying, geez, like a, he's like a back row forward, you know, he's like a, he's like a number seven playing for Leinster or something and the physicality they have, these guys are still amateurs. And, um, and then the skill level they bring to it, no more than hurting. So I don't want to talk about up too much, but we have to, we have to uh, take our hats off to them and say, you know, and really say thanks to them and uh, admire what they do. And all with a great sense of honesty and, uh, you know, the, the class that was shown there yesterday from Sligo as well, you know, losing, there was no, there was no dirt, there was no nothing. It was, it was really high quality, uh, quite high quality game. And um, yeah, if what it takes to get to that level is the point and it takes, we were, we were kind of doing it up in terms of hours. It's probably 40 to 50 hours a week. These guys are putting in the management are putting in between analyzing games, between coming up with game plans, talking individually to players planning out sessions, talking to county board, logistics managers. It's just, it's an incredible, uh, I suppose they have a big backroom team, but at the very top, the manager, the book stops with him. And that's the point. And I think that's why it's a huge undertaking. If you're going to take it on, you'd really have to be ready. Your family would have to be ready. and You have to be obviously in the right place in your life and, and in your football career. For sure. And just with Galway coming up now against uh, Tyrone, we, we were, I was on a recording the Ireland podcast earlier and we we did go down a small bit of a tangent of, I suppose, criticism of Diego at the minute that it seems to be coming in with. What have you made, Gordon, first weekend of the All-Ireland series? Kerry play Mayo, Goy play Tyrone. Uh, two games fixed for Diego. Um, at the minute, it doesn't look like they're going to be shown an RT uh, live at all. I get a little bit confused by the argument sometimes on, on Diego on pay-per-view and what people want and expect. Um, and I know it's a bit of a touchstone issue for a lot of some people. Uh, like, I suppose, basically, the question is, what do we expect? Or what do we want? So do we want every game to be on TV? Do, do, like, do we pick and like who gets to pick and choose? So some of us might want that those football games on to say obviously a lot of hurling people are disappointed certain hurling games aren't on. So like do we show all hurling games? Do we show all games? Is there like where like the argument moves depending on who's making the argument? Uh, and I, I wouldn't like to be the person who has to uh, come up with a schedule of games and uh, put it together. But as regards the GA having a pay-per-view service or a, a subscription model and games behind the paywall, I mean, I don't think we're coming back from that. Like, I think the modern society, modern world and, and media rights partners and uh, it's, whether we like it or not, it is the way of the world um, when it comes to major sporting organisations and how they uh, how they, uh, monetize their product, uh, for the want of a better phrase, they, some games go behind the paywall and um, that won't that won't sit easily with people and people are going to get upset about it and people might consider the GA should be different than other sporting organisations 
Um, and I just find it's a hard argument to, there's, there's no end or start to it because everyone has a different opinion as regards how many games should be shown, what games should be shown. Um, and it's, uh, I think it's a difficult one. It is in a sense, Gordon, as well, which we're going to have over the championship. A lot of people that give out about Ireland not being showed this weekend that there was football shown, but obviously that weekend where Goy Tyrone is taking place at Carameo, that's going to be a hurling weekend too. And ultimately, if people want to see it, then they, they can go and purchase. It's probably the way to look at it. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> like, 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 okay, I'm, you know, I, I'm not that old, right? But I'm not young, I suppose, either. But I, I, I still remember a situation where, like, you only had provincial finals on TV, like, and, you know, all Ireland semi finals and finals. We now have more games on TV free to air than ever. Uh, and if we want extra games, then it uh, looks like we have to pay for them for a subscription. Now, I suppose the, the issue a few years ago was that it was Sky Sports and, um, some people had took umbrage with the fact that it was Sky Sports um, and uh, now I suppose people have issue with GA Go uh, which is a 50-50 model or 50-50% ownership between RT and the GA um, but look I, I really think it's a difficult one to answer because some people no matter what you, point you make will think that they, there should be more games on and other people will argue that well even if there's more games they're not showing the right games uh, but I the baseline for me is I don't think we're ever going to come back in a situation where games there won't be some games behind the paywall or subscription model of some description. Like I think that I think that's just reality of the kind of the time we live in. That, that's what like uh, you know in the Irish time we we have subscription model as well. Most media outlets do, um, and uh, it's yeah it's, it's it is the way it is. Like um, my. Uh, would I like to see every game free to air? Of course, that'd be great. But does it make sense for a sporting organisation to try and uh, make money uh, for their organisation to do that? No. Um, and if, and what hasn't been admitted, I suppose, here by the GA is that NRT, that obviously they, they've taken a strategic choice that the hurling games in particular, they see them as, as popular games and that they can sell more packages and subscriptions of. Uh, and they're keeping them behind the paywall as, as their kind of incentive to get people to join up seems to be the, the kind of tactic that they've, they've gone with. What have you made of it all, Derek? Um, yeah, um, it's interesting, you know, people sort of speak out of the two sides of their mouth in this one. They, they A lot of people think this whole round robin series is a waste of time, but yet they're giving out when they can't, when they can't see the games on, uh, on RTE. Um, I think there's going to be, unfortunately, with this round robin, there's going to be a lot of damn squibs. Um, it's probably, you know, reasonably clear who's going to get through and who's going to struggle. So there'll probably be some competitive games and other games that will be um, where teams will be resting players. They'll be, they'll be bringing, uh, they'll be trying out their, their, you know, their subs. They'll be trying out the panel. They'll be, uh, you know, trying to give other players game time. So. In terms of the real, I suppose, games that we want to see, it'll be for when, when it comes to the knockout, you know, the primary quarterfinals and on. And uh, I honestly don't know what the strategy is from the GART on those ones, but I certainly wouldn't be giving out too much about the round-robin games from that point of view. And 
and look, hurling is a is a obviously they can only show so many games, and it's it's an incredible sport in itself. And uh, um, you know, we 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 all want to watch those games as well, the Munster Championship games and the and the All Ireland series. So uh, they've got a great product now, and um, Gaelic football for all its ills and all its mass defences has still got a huge following. Um, but I think, as I was saying earlier, we need to see close games. And I think when teams are evenly matched, it's a, it really is a great spectator sport. Um, so hopefully we get a lot of those games as we get on later in the, in the championship. Goal Tyrone is definitely a game to get excited for Derek to open up the series at home. It is. It is. Yeah, it is. I mean... I think there'll be a big crowd in Pierce Stadium, definitely. And um, we'll win ourselves to watch it. We'll bring the kids. There'll be a big, uh, you know, he'll be going following in there. I'm sure Tyrone will be a good crowd. End of the day, is the result the be all and end all? I think, I suppose, teams will be trying to avoid the preliminary quarterfinal. And um, from that perspective, there is a, a carriage for winning the game. But if you lose, it's not the end of the world either. So, you know, will it have the real cut and thrust that you might, uh, you might be looking for? I'm not sure. Um, at the same time, it's a you know it's two of the top, it's two certainly the top eight teams, six eight teams going at each other in the championship. So, yeah, it promises to be a great occasion, and uh, certainly those days in those days in Pierce Stadium as we're heading into the summer now, when the, when the sod is getting drier, and it was interesting the pitch down in Castle Bar it was still a little bit heavy um, yesterday because we were out in it, and as the pitches are drying up, I suppose the game gets faster then, and it gets uh, hopefully gets more exciting. So we're uh, yeah we're all looking forward to it. It does seem like a game, um, Gordon, that could properly open up this All Ireland series, Galway and Tyrone. Yeah, but like I think maybe as Derek was saying, there you've three teams coming out of each group. So like at the end of it's a lot of games to get rid of four teams from four groups. You know, you have four teams that are dropping out after the kind of round robin stages. So uh, there is a lack of jeopardy in 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 the group stages for most of the groups. It argue possibly all of them, depending on what way things pan out. Uh, beforehand, you probably know who's going to finish fourth, more or less, and then you're, you're kind of, you're tossing it up to see who comes for second and third to avoid the, obviously who goes to, to what, what stage next in the competition. Um, so there is a lack of jeopardy from that part. Uh, the GA's argument on it is that it, it, it avoids the possibility of dead rubbers in the, in the third round of games. Um, so, I suppose we should wait and see how that all pans out, and, and do do we have a really exciting last round of games, kind of uh, you know showdown Sunday or whatever it is, and everyone's checking permutations and how it all works out. Uh, and if you know if we end up with that scenario, then maybe the GA have got it right. Uh, but if we end up with a scenario where we kind of know what's happening, and uh, you know, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be massively surprised if that's tweaked going forward in the, in the next couple of seasons, where we might just have two teams coming out of the groups. Uh, I think from kind of chatting to people anecdotally, that would be a preference for a lot of people that they think it would be it'd be more exciting for the group stages if two teams went went forward from it. Uh, again, the GA's counter-argument is uh, having three teams going forward uh, avoids dead rubbers in the last round. So we'll wait and see how that pans out. But um, uh, I do think the home and, away, home and away games are going to be good because, you know, there's a lot of provincial venues and towns around there don't get home championship games during the summer. And I think that'll add a bit of colour and excitement to it. Absolutely, it'll be interesting to see how uh, they pan out. But, and uh, that Goy Tyrone gets underway uh, Saturday week at 5.15 in Pierce Stadium, a huge game to look forward to. That's all we have time for 
on our show today. Thanks a million to Derek and Gordon for coming on. Cheers. Thanks, Paul. The Backdoor GA podcast for 2023 is now brought to you by Steed Motor Group. For your personalised vehicle shopping experience, visit steedmotorgroup.ie. We are now delighted to announce our second sponsor of the podcast. Harper Finley are a professional service recruitment company operating nationwide and are dedicated to helping people find their dream job.